Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Asian Pop Nation, aka Sin's resident Asian music and culture show. My name is Lisha, the executive producer of APN, and I kind of serve as the pilot as we're going through this very special episode. But first, let's talk to the first two songs that we played just now on our show. Firstly, we played the song titled Laylo, which comes from the Korean female artist Yua, who happens to be one of the members of the Korean girl group Oh My Girl. And this song in particular is actually a pre-release single for her second EP titled Selfish. Now, moving along from that, we then played a pretty insane song to come out of the Korean girl group Nature with their song titled Limbo. And if there's one thing you have to do this week, it's to definitely search up the choreography for this song because the chorus, once the chorus rolls around, the dance, it's it's wild. You, you guys definitely need to take a listen to that and just watch that entire choreography. Trust me. Then another thing that you should definitely do this week is to stay tuned to our very jam-packed show here on Asian Pop Nation, where you will not only be joined by myself tonight, but of course our APN team tonight of Tracy, Ethan, JP, and Lee, where we're gonna have, I almost say, a little bit of a nostalgic session here on APN. We will be reminiscing about a certain classic Malaysian snack, as well as reminiscing about a time in which we used to go to a Chinese language school. Plus, we also have a whole bunch of, dare I say, a bit of wacky topics here and there. One coming from sort of online, out of all things, as well as an interesting invention which has come out from Japan, in which you get to wear pants without needing to wear underwear underneath. Yeah, I don't know how to explain that one further, but you're just gonna have to stay tuned right here on Asian Pop Nation to find out what exactly all these topics will encompass. And of course, to hear our team dissect through all of these incredible topics. Now, before we jump straight into the show, we of course have more songs that we want to play tonight, starting now with the song titled Hitomi Bore, which comes from the Japanese male artist Vondi. So be sure to stay tuned right here on Asian Pop nation hey everybody you are listening to asia pop nation right here on sin where you just heard three incredible songs firstly to come out of vondi which is a japanese male artist with his song titled hitomi bore and moving along from that we then played the song titled draw which is the new song to come out of the korean female group i chillin and lastly from that we then played another new track this time to come from asia madon with her song titled fish and chips and actually, very, very fun fact, if you don't know who Aisha Madon is, she is actually, I would say, the main protagonist for the really popular Netflix show going on at the moment called Heartbreak High. If you haven't watched it yet, please do watch it if you really enjoy these sort of high school drama shows. I don't know. It just brings me a throwback and I'm so excited for season two. I already can't wait. But anyways, besides the fun facts, we got to start on our very first segment tonight on our show. And this one holds a very special place in my heart as we're going to be delving deep into a very iconic Malaysian snack since there were some recent news which came out about this snack. So come join us as we take a trip down memory lane into Mommy Monster. 
So does anyone know or is familiar with the iconic Malaysian snack called Mammy Monster? Wait, that snack's Malaysian. <gasps> Don't know, JP. No, no, no. Uh, my first contact with it was in Singapore. So, so uh. I don't know. But yes, I'll admit it was it was like a big part of my life. Like I grew up eating Mummy Monster. Yeah. Likewise as well. I think Mummy Monster most Southeast Asian kids or me specifically like Malaysian kids, Singaporean kids as well. I don't want to exclude Singapore. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Breaking news, Lisha doesn't hate Singapore. But I think for oh, most of it's not my expose hour, guys. Calm down. But I think for a lot of us, Mommy Monster is a very, uh, again, like you mentioned, iconic childhood snack in particular. But it's also something that carries beyond childhood. I cannot lie. I've probably snacked on them many a times as an adult. But Lee, why did you mention the love of my life, Mommy Monster to me? Well, (laughs) unfortunately. Oh, the founder of the company behind Mammy Monster, Datuk Pang Chin, passed away last week at what the age the of 96. Hell? Oh my god. Damn. 96? Yeah. Damn, 96. that's old. Yeah, that's pretty nice to live yeah, to that's, that age. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually like straight up, yeah. Yeah, but you know, his legacy won't be forgotten because his son, Pang T. Chu, will be taking over this beloved business as the CEO and director of the company, Mammy Double Decker. While his grandson, Pierre Pang, will be the future group CEO. So for those who are unfamiliar with what Mammy Monster even is and how exactly this humble snack became a childhood icon across Malaysia, Alicia here will explain. Hello, yes. (laughs) The baton has been passed upon from one Malaysian to another. Yes. So again, for the uneducated folks, Mammy Monster is essentially... It's just a dry noodle snack, very crunchy. It comes in like various different seasonings. The one I always just was familiar with is like the BBQ flavor. Is there a chicken one? It's the best one. There is a chicken one, but it kind of sucks. Oh, whoa. Okay. Controversial statement. (laughs) Yes, no, I don't know. Because I'll explain my story a little bit later of me and my relationship with the mummy monster seasonings. But that's typically how it happens. And then in all the mummy monster packaging, there's always this little like blue furry character of sorts who's like the mascot and yeah he slays he's the best he's so cute he's so cute um who cares about cookie monster we have mommy monster down here in malaysia um but yeah that is essentially what the snack is it's very a humble very simple snack it was actually created um it actually wasn't like the original snack idea from um, the the founder of Mummy Monster again, Dato Pan Chin Hin. He originally was like a car dealer who wanted to open a small instant noodle factory back in 1971, back in Malacca, which is one of the states in Malaysia. And he started off with this instant noodle brand called Lucky Instant Noodle, but that got no hype in Malaysia. Sorry to that man about that, <laughs> but his son. While he was on the trip to like rural countryside Malaysia, he saw how like the rubber tap workers back in like the early early 70s, they would just eat dry instant noodles straight from the packet. And that basically sparked the idea and creation behind Mummy Monster. And on 1974, history was made. The Mummy Monster was created. And now it is like a staple in Malaysian snack world forever. And essentially now the Mummy name in general you just see it around in a ton of snacks in malaysia my personal favorite is the mr potato chips 
but you didn't hear it from me. And there's also other bunch of snacks. They have like, they produce over 50 different products now. And yeah, they are definitely in their sleigh era, dare I say. <laughs> but this is a hurdle in the sleigh era. It's just like a really, it's like a really sad thing to hear about his passing. But it also hearing this news just made me think back to little old Leisha having her mommy monster as a kid. And it just reminded me of like, wow, this snack has really been here from the start until now. Like when this news came out and my mom told me, she was even telling me about like her days of eating my monster. I was like, Jesus Christ, this thing has existed for like centuries. It's such a quintessential I guess part of the Malaysian kid identity, but I don't know. Would you say it's the same for you, Lee, as well, fellow Malaysian yes, kid? <laughs> I was. I don't know. My parents didn't let me eat that much, but I would mm-hmm. always like steal packets and put it under my pillow and eat it. Whoa! Night. <laughs> um. Yeah, and like the seasoning, my mom would only let me put half the packet in because she's oh. like, "Dude, it's so unhealthy. It would give me hair loss and like etc." Anyways. Um, I feel like, I don't know if it's just like because I'm growing up, but I feel like the noodles inside have gotten smaller over the years. No, that's <laughs> definitely the case. Like, yeah? I swear, yeah, I, I, remember them, I remember them being way bigger yeah. in the past. Yeah, we I don't live know in what's a society. We live in a society. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not even just mommy, like a bunch of other brands are just like, yeah, like selling Pringles. small packets. Yeah. Have you seen how Toblerone looks like now? Why? What's what's it look? Because they like they they like made them like social distance. Wait, like, let me see. Oh, like the triangle bits are. But this was like 2018, so this is like old news by this point. TVH, I did not care too much about Toblerones when I was yeah. a kid, so this has no effect to my. Yeah, I love wow. Anyways, back to Mammy noodles. Mammy. Yeah, but and, but I also wanted to mention because you were talking about how your parents they didn't let you eat the mm. full like the seasoning thing yeah, yeah. my freaking mom di- just didn't let me eat the seasoning packet like, oh. <laughs> like okay I, I just had to eat like the plain thing which is good like yeah I- which is yeah i was gonna say it's so good it's so good you just like smash it in the packet and then you could just eat it as is so good but i'll always be so jealous as a kid when i was like in nursery or in school and my like classmates or whatever they would just pour all the seasoning in and just eat it and i'm like if I did that, my mom's gonna kill me when I get home. <laughs> I'm not gonna live the next day. And then it's just like, yeah. And then when I got older, I tried it with half of the season because again, I think there's just like the little worrying voice of my mom, like my mom's voice in my head, being like, "Leisha, do not use all the packets. It's gonna like, give you hair loss as well." Yeah, like, just... <laughs> Why is that a mutual thing? Yeah. Say? <laughs> but when I did try it. I found it was like way too salty with the seasoning. So I just still eat it, just like play on its own. Hello, hello, dear listeners. You are tuning in to Asian Pop Nation and hearing my voice right now to talk through these songs that we played just now on our very incredible show. Firstly, we played the song titled Hot Pot Commander, which is a song to come out of the Japanese female artist Wednesday Caponella. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Tokyo Shandy Rendezvous, which comes from the Japanese artist Maison Des featuring KAF and Tsumiki. 
And lastly from that, we then played another new track to come out of November. And this song is actually called Splinter. And it comes from this artist called Fig, who is a female musician who is based in New York, but she is actually Malaysian. So double rep for the Malaysians out here. I'm biased, okay? <laughs> and this song in particular actually comes from her new album titled Bud. And you guys just need to check out this album. It is fantastic. 11 out of 10. But besides that, I find that this song is actually a very nice segue back into our topic where some of us, aka me and Lee, get into some more nostalgic moments when it comes to our very favorite snack, the Mummy Monster. And if you don't know what Mummy Monster is, it is a very iconic snack back in Malaysia. And if you want to hear more about our very special memories attached with Mummy Monster, tune in right now. So I just still eat it, just like play on its own. So I guess... Maybe my mom had some points there. Maybe your mom too had some points. Oh, I put the full seasoning packet in now. Oh, <laughs> damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you also sometimes, I don't know if it's just me, but put it in like a bowl and then put hot water and put the <gasps> seasoning and then it will go like, like you actually into do noodles. That? Yeah, I do that. Oh, when I'm like that's feeling really a weird. bit more hung, like I want a bit more out of my mammy noodles, I'll just put some hot water in. And put the oh. seasoning in. It's like pretty good, but actually, yeah, it's very salty though. But I like, I like right. it. That's oh. really weird because that was actually my first exposure to mommy huh? as well. Because um, like when we first got it, like we didn't really know what it was. Like, oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, so okay. we thought, oh, these are just noodles you cook in water, and then we ate it. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so like, I didn't eat it for like a year until I realized, oh, you're supposed to just eat it without cooking. That's so interesting. I've like never actually uh, like. Have cooked. you never tried it? I've never tried to, I guess, quote unquote, cook my mummy monster as like a from a snack to a meal. Oh. I don't know. I just think it in my head. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Try definitely try it. Yeah. But it does like make the noodle itself more bland. But then you kind of just have it with the soup, quote unquote, soup thing. But yeah, does it taste good? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being hungry as heck. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's just ruining my immersion. Like some suddenly my nostalgia, my roasted glasses have been like broken or something. Hearing <laughs> <Good. laughs> to like freaking cook it like that. So oh, like I don't. I just kind of sounds. I don't know why it sounds disgusting to me, but in actuality, it probably doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, oh. it's just soggy noodles and seasoning and whatever the seasoning that will totally give you hair loss yeah Yeah, literally (laughs) but yeah what other memories do you guys have with my monster in particular again i just had so much like fear mongering from my mom just being like don't put all the seasoning in but other than that like my monster she's my ride or die love her to bits (laughs) wait can i ask do you guys like when you guys eat it do you guys like squish up the, the noodles or do you just eat it like I used to do that. I used to crush huh? it up. Like, what do you mean you know, used to? Like, like when I when I first ate it, started eating it raw. Like, I crush it up and then like eat it. But then I realized it's way cooler to just get the whole block. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, I eat it like that as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's what? so it's so cool. I feel no. like a monster every okay, time I do. You know yeah. what? Isn't that how that guy eats it? Isn't yeah. that how that eats it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was following his example. <laughs> but he's. <laughs> 
but his instructions on the back is like crush it up first and then you can put the seasoning on and then the seasoning will spread evenly but also I get you JP because I will only crush up one side and then eat the other side what <laughs> Wait, what do you mean crush up one side because it's like a rectangle yeah so I just do <laughs> rectangle it's like oh. a square it's like the a ones little... I mean are square oh they're more a, like square. It's a square with a longer side, all right? Square with a longer side, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when it's, like, all in one piece, I get it. It's yeah. cool. It feels <gasps> awesome. But, but you should not tell me you crush it up. Yeah. The thing is, though, you, you, it, you finish it faster if you don't crush it up. So when I like to savor it, I'll crush it up. Does uh, that make sense? You guys are insane! <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> But I, I mean, maybe, again, maybe it's just growing up in Malaysia things, but like, I literally got ads on TV where the mascot, Mr. Mummy Monster himself, the ad is him literally telling you in song form to crush it up, <laughs> shake it, and eat it. And I'm like, okay. Wait, they did Mummy Monster PSAs in Malaysia? <laughs> that is, that yes. is absurd. I have a link for it for y'all to read. No. I even found the freaking English version for wow. you guys to, to be cultured. Oh yeah, no, I'm still bewildered that you guys are like, oh, <laughs> I just don't, like, that is still ruining, slightly ruining my day. Like, it's... You're in the minority here, Alicia, so you're what? the one. No, wow! I like to think I'm in the majority because they literally made it bunch of ads saying that you're supposed to eat it like that. You no. guys are just weird. No, it's in the same way that Uno has official rules, but no one follows them. Leisha, you are, you're like a stickler for authority. <laughs> a rule-abiding citizen. Yeah. yeah. Sorry if it's a <laughs> crime to follow the you. rules of how people say shit. The monster look like he follows rules. Wait, Listen, but... It's like, oh, wait, what? Oh no, sorry, like, it just makes me think about, like, you know, the whole Kit Kat thing where people are like, oh, do you, like, bite the whatever, the whole thing, or break it apart? Oh, no. <laughs> no, you get the chunk in his bite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of this debate. Yeah. It's just y'all are monsters. I mean, it could be worse. Monsters. It could be worse. I mean, like, you could crush it up and use it as seasoning. I mean, what? No, I'm just thinking about the worst ways to go about eating. Um, I have done that. Noodles. Yeah, that's really? not bad. I, I, really? swear I, sw I swear there's actual recipes where people do that. Yeah, oh. I put it on my porridge and stuff sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would be, like, with the seasoning? Mm, it depends, like, what porridge I'm having, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, actually, no, that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's actually good. good. Um, I don't know, put it in a blender. You can eat it with a package. Oh, yeah. You don't peel your mommy noodles. <laughs> don't get rid of the skin. Just Same way, that. I don't eat bananas um, without, you know, I don't peel the bananas. Just bite <laughs> into it. You know, easy. Okay, yeah. I can't I, I take it anymore. Y'all are you're ruining the mommy monster. <laughs> Wrap it up. For me. <laughs> Lee, take it away <laughs> before these beasts ruin <laughs> <laughs> um if you also enjoy mammy noodles and have a particular way that you like to eat them let us know on facebook instagram and twitter at asian pop nation bye 
Hello to all of our listeners here on Asian Pop Nation. It's Leisha here, and I'm about to fill you in on all of these songs that we played just now on our show. Starting first with the song titled "Best Friend," which comes from the one and only Ashwarya. And if you don't know who she is, she is a Australian Indian artist who, actually, fun fact, just recently opened for the one and only Dua Lipa along with Kat and Camille. And I'm just like. That piece of information just gets me so excited because again, it's like the Asian Australian rep. We we're taking over, guys. You don't understand. <laughs> But moving along from that, we then played another fantastic R&B track. This time to come out of Pipi Crit, who is a Thai male artist who has come back with his new single titled "Fire Boy." And lastly, from that, we then played the song titled "Bad," which comes from the Korean female artist Say, featuring Shyraja J. And you know, speaking about that song title in particular, you know what exactly sounds like a bad idea in particular? The next segment, actually, that we're going to be talking about tonight is what I like to call a bit of a recipe for disaster. But you, the listener, be the judge of that. As right now, we're going to be talking about an interesting collaboration. Dare I say? Between the anime Sword Online and the Oculus Rift, and if you don't know what all these words mean, we are gonna educate you about all of this chaos right now. So, if we are listening to Asian Pop Nation, then I will assume that a lot of you will know of the original anime and light novel series called Sword Art Online. The reason we bring this up is because there has been an unexpected announcement made by the founder of Oculus VR. And the designer of the Oculus Rift, Palmer Lucky, through his blog post, which is quite a read, I might say,、uh, he details how he has designed a VR headset that follows the same concept as the original headset from Sword Art Online. So, for those who are familiar with Sword Art Online,、um, the headline alone sounds insane for a lot of reasons, but we will get into that.、Um, for those that don't know, the original plot of Sword Art Online follows our main protagonist Kirito, who is every thirteen-year-old boy's like role model. Basically, he goes into this game and he joins about ten thousand other players、um, in Sword Art Online. And in the anime, the game is launched on November sixth of twenty twenty-two, which was a few days ago as of recording. And they go into this game through Nerve Gear, which is a VR headset. Essentially, the players get to experience and control their in-game characters with just the brain. So it's kind of like a like a role play、um, isekai kind of thing. I don't know. It is later revealed in the show. That everyone who has logged into the game is unable to log off and return to their real world. And additionally, if you die in the game, you die in real life. Yeah, so there are obviously a lot more plot points to the show, and that's pretty much a brief synopsis. But that is the core concept of that show,、um, which makes this announcement kind of insane. Essentially, on November sixth of this year, which is the same day,、uh, through his own personal blog. Palmer Lucky announced that he has designed a VR headset that would take fiction into reality by creating a real-life nerve gear that would instantly kill the person if they die in a video game. Now we're not going to get into the details of how exactly the headset、uh, plans to unalive you, but there is a lot that they have put into this headset, and it is honestly kind of insane. Um, yeah, what a story!、Um, so, if this VR headset was real, what game would you guys want to play? <laughs> Elden Ring, obviously. <laughs> I can think of a lot of first-person shooters that people would love to play. Oh、song. my god, no, no, you die too quickly in those because you're just like, you know, you know, you know,、oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I would just play Animal Crossing. So animal, yeah,、die. you can't die in Animal、yeah. Crossing. Yeah, 
Actually, oh uh, wait, do you like if you get stung by bees? Do you feel it in real life? If you're, if you want like the actual anime nerve gear, it would be as if you were in the world itself. So I think you would feel the bee stings personally mm. and emotionally. Um, so wait. that is a risk you should take into account. If you're playing this game and you kill someone and they die in real life, you're a murderer, right? Yeah, you're a murderer. In real life. So, Ethan, do you have a game you would personally love to play with the Nerf gear? Look, realistically, I probably wouldn't be playing like a Fortnite or a, or a yeah, PUBG just because... Like, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something like Animal Crossing, like Stardew Valley. Although yeah, I think so you can you die in Stardew Valley yeah. as well. Can you? So, yeah, you can. yeah, I think so. Well then, so, just just don't die. Don't go into the places. The mines. Wait, if you just play Pokemon. Oh, you can't die in Pokemon either. That's yeah, true. like so the trainers never die. Yeah, it's just the Pokemon that do. The craziest thing for me in this whole situation is just the fact that he can just publicly put this in a blog post, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, cool, that's great." Like, is there not like I don't know some government or something that's reading this and they're like, "Hmm, maybe this shouldn't be like." We shouldn't be making this thing. I don't know. Like this whole, it's insane. Is there no game that you'd want to experience, Leisha? None. Entertain this this insane man's idea. Well, Leisha, Um, if you you think about it, you're playing a game where you could die already. The game of life. Yeah. So So, I mean, like, what's the difference? Oh my gosh. Hmm. I guess. Okay. Maybe. If we think about that, I don't know, maybe The Sims or something. I know The Sims, you can die in many horrific ways, but it is also just like real life, so... It's just real life and weirder. It's just, yeah. What the heck, Alicia? You would choose to just play a game of real life <laughs> than to play an actual game? What? <laughs> okay, I don't know. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting my catalog of gaming knowledge. Maybe I want to play like Persona or something. The world of Persona is very... Like Persona, Persona 5 specifically because... Oh yeah, that would be that's, cool. That's the coolest one. I don't want to be in the high school and whatever happens there that I can't say in radio. Um, yeah. But maybe... I don't know, maybe that. Oh, Minecraft? Oh my god. Oh wait, actually, oh, that would be pretty... Just put it on peaceful. Actually, dude, I'd be too depressed. Wait, you can see Dude, it. Minecraft is scary. I don't want to play that. It's <laughs> scary. It actually is kind Harry of scary. Yeah. It actually is really <laughs> depressing if you're a single player. Oh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Straight up. Like, I can't play Minecraft for 30 minutes without eventually, like, stopping and thinking, mm-hmm. like, you know, what's the... P- why am I doing this? Like, what's mm-hmm. the point? I guess if he successfully, quote-unquote, creates this perfect replica of the Nerf gear and it's compl- it's like complemented with a full replica of like the Sword Online game game. Would you play that even though the entire anime tells you why that whole thing is a bad idea? But would you? But would you die? Yeah, would you die? Die in Sword Art Online? I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind. If you die, you die. But like, it's an interesting experience. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. I think that I would, I don't know, I'd see how many people are dying first before I oh play my the game. God. Like, if no one's killing each other, then sure, like, I'll, I'll just, you know, jump on and create my own character. Yeah, easy. Um, can you, oh my god, can you imagine if it went popular on TikTok and then everyone just signed uh, on because it's... Uh, <laughs> you know that would happen. They would it make, would, like, a it would. It. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. The yeah. weeb's uprising. Yeah. I, I would I would enter Sword Art Online and live a peaceful life as like a beef jerky merchant. There's already TikToks about like this um thing 
like they would be like wait really so, so they would pretend that they're putting on the nav gear and it would be the headset uh-huh. <laughs> it would be like slither io and then it would cut back Okay. Oh. And it would come back to the bus and just like wriggling around on the floor. What so the heck? Yeah. Um, that's, that's yeah, beautiful. That's my Thank, experience. You. Thank you for that info. <laughs> <You're welcome>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, audience. Uh, do you think this is a good idea? Um, would you want to get your hands on this or do you think this is something that needs to be stopped as soon as possible? because we are getting further and further down this timeline and I don't like it. Anyway, uh, let us know on Asian Pop Nation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You are listening to Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. My name is Leisha and we just played three songs which were actually requested by some of our listeners here on our show. Thank you so much for your request, by the way. Firstly, we played the song titled Forever, which comes from the Singaporean male artist Derek Ho. And moving on from that, we then played the song titled Shy Shy, which comes from the Korean female duo Wink. And those two songs happen to be requested by our listener Andrew. Thank you, by the way. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Strong of 100%, which comes from the Japanese female group Garakuta Pon Kyotsu. And this song in particular was requested by one of our listeners, Matthew. So once again, thank you both of you guys for your song requests. Now we're going to be moving on to a very interesting topic. I feel like the moment I start saying interesting, this is a sign that we're about to enter a bit of a weird territory here on APN, but don't worry guys, stay with us. I swear this is going to be a very fun yet slightly chaotic topic to hear as recently there is this new invention that we wanted to talk about on our show as it involves pants in which you don't have to wear underwear underneath. Yeah, take a moment to let that sink in, I suppose. But while you're thinking about the plausibility of how that's possible and whether you want to purchase one of those sort of pants for yourself, listen in to our team discuss this very interesting Japanese invention right now. Actually, uh, open question for you guys. You, you remember the pandemic, right? And how everyone started locking in, started using Zoom for all classes and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Did you guys ever like dress up for class? No. 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 Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Neither did I. It's like the most inconvenient thing ever. Uh, but the reason I actually mentioned that was because there is a Japanese like clothes design brand called Totono, and apparently they are designing like these full-on clothes, which uh, the main selling point is that you don't need to wear underwear for them. Like at all. So the way they're designed, they're designed in such a way where the inside is uh they use like certain wool and fabrics and they contour it in a certain way where you can like wear it without needing any underwear at all. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know where to go from. This is it's pretty crazy, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> that that was that that was a lot of information to take in. So um <laughs> So you tell me this brand, their ethos or everything is like, yes, we want everyone to feel very comfortable with the idea of specifically pants that we do not need underwear with pants no more. We are yeah. gone are those days. Yeah, exactly. And like, if you look at the photos that they released for their pants, they look like genuinely like cool clothes that you could wear 
outside because i know initially their brand was that uh you could wear these sorts of clothes after taking a shower at night and you can wear them as pajamas but then they kind of expanded it and go you know you could use these for you know short errands outside or you could exercise in them um so you know really cool stuff um but another i, I guess the other interesting thing about this one would be like the actual response to the clothes so they started up like a crowdfunding thing and initially their goal was like 370,000 yen that's like four thousand dollars in australian money uh, but they did that and now they're raising over like 9.2 million yen so that's over like 90,000 australian dollars so i know you guys are like ragging on this right now i can see in your faces like you're looking down on this but man the japanese they know what's up like they're crowdfunding this like for real they're investing money in this beautiful noble project um so i'd say my question to you guys would be is there any way i could convince you guys to like the total no underwear let's hey i like this yeah I would yeah i like that i like the aesthetic it's actually very, yeah, it looks very, very soft cute. and comfy yeah it looks cool like it's simple man but how does it work like, like what's is it just... I'm guessing no. it's a company secret or something because they don't explicitly mention too much. They're like, oh, they're using a certain type of fabric, make it very easy breezy, and they shape it in a certain way or whatever. So does that mean they have just built-in underwear or it's like... I My guess is it's a mix of both. Like, yeah. Just like yeah. from a design perspective. Um, yeah. Because yeah. from the outside, it doesn't look like it's like super tight. Or... No. It just looks like normal clothing. Yeah, normal clothing is like... fairly loose. Um, and I, I know, of course, it's a design brand. They came up with a logo and everything for their brand. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that they put it on their clothes is kind of like a secret symbol to other people. Like, if you're in the know, you just know that this guy is not wearing underwear. It's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the funniest That's part the best part. <laughs> You know, you know. <laughs> it is one of those if you know you know and it the logo is literally just like imagine the pants and the shorts and there's just a white square like a small little white square and that's it that's that's the indicator of you just like i don't know winking at the guy next door be like aha yeah i'm going commando <laughs> wink <laughs> you know it's so inconspicuous too like it's just like a brand logo that's it that's it uh, would you <laughs> Would you guys be brave enough to actually do this? Like, would you? <laughs> it looks like a, it's like a Dacme symbol, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine people just target those who are wearing this brand. Oh my god. Them. We were that... talking about this. I'd never heard of the word Dac before. Apparently, like, panting is the term that I was familiar with, familiar with where you run Wait. up to someone and pull down their pants. What was it called? Panting? Pants. Pa just panting someone. Pantsing someone. Yeah. But you two are like dacking them. Dack. Dack. Yeah, I think dacking is a more. Them. Yeah, I've never heard the term pantsing before, but yeah, dacking. Actually, no, that logo thing might be a bad idea. <laughs> it's they like will, exactly. They're going to be victims of the dacking. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cursed mark. Like they put it on convicts and stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> or like exiles from society. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, but yeah, no, you guys didn't answer my question yet. Would you be brave enough um, to go out wearing these clothes, knowing that there is a symbol that could mark you 
as a uh, one of the accursed. If I was in Australia, yeah, but in Japan, no chance. No chance? Why? Wait, what? Are people more really? aware? What? Like, cause I don't know. Cause like, look, I don't think Japanese people would like back you, but like. <laughs> You can hear know, the fear just... in her voice. I'm like, you're actually petrified about the hands of somebody just pulling the camera. Are you kidding me? I'm the complete opposite. Like, me I would too. not. I would not wear this in Australia. All exactly. it takes is for one person to know what it is. And uh, yeah, but how done. often are you getting dacked in the city? <laughs> <laughs> you say this is like it's a common thing. So he's like, I watch you the that's streets so every day. Right. You're not yet. It's like you're not in high school anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. listen, Ethan. You're I know it's right. true. It's true, Ethan. But the chance is still there. It's like a point zero 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 one percent, and that's what I'm very afraid of, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, but if they release like like belts or something, or like you can wear it with um, what's this thing's called where you've got the straps around? They your... have drawstrings. Suspenders. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, just, suspenders yeah, as things. well. Yeah, you'll be fine, right? Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wears suspenders, man? I don't think I could pull off suspenders. You just be like, I'm an art student. That's why I'm wearing suspenders. Mm. And they'll be like, oh, oh yeah, fair, fair play. <laughs> then I have to wear a beret, man. Stuff that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can look like a minion. Oh, why would you say that? A minion? Actually, that's not a bad idea. Ethan's yeah. hitting all the checklists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, you know what? I, since I've asked, I'm tired of you guys. I'm gonna ask. Whoa! I'm gonna ask the listeners. Hey, um, if you like the idea of these Totten No Pants, let us know Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. We could start a revolution. You just gotta. So would you would you wear these clothes? Would you not? Let us know. It's a funny, interesting topic, but it would be it would be good to know. Oh God. <laughs> Hello, hello everyone listening to Asian Pop Nation right now. It's me, Alicia here, and I am just coming back right here to give you the details of all of these songs that we played just now on our show. Starting first with the song title Veil, which comes from the female Korean artist Lim Kim. Before moving along, we're playing the song title Jenery, which comes from the Malaysian artist Nakalness featuring FPV Black Kid. And moving along from that, we then played the song title On and On, which is a collaboration track between the Korean male artist Wonho featuring Yoon Hui. And this actually comes from his new EP titled Bittersweet. So of course, gotta give an extra shout out to that because I'm inherently very biased to Wonho. Anyways, moving along from that, another artist which I tend to be very biased to is of course artists that are locally based here in Australia and we've got a fantastic new artist to definitely put on your radar as we just played the song titled Say Bracket Light Me Up which comes from the Australian Malay artist Junior. Now after we played all of these tracks which not gonna lie personally I really love all of them I think this next topic that we're gonna be talking about tonight will have a lot of you listeners very excited as well as we're gonna be talking about a certain anime that I think a lot of you guys love but an interesting project that has been unveiled as the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion is not only getting their own play happening very very soon but they're also having their own hotel concept happening i know it's a bit of a big news to kind of digest especially if you know what neon genesis evangelion is about but do not worry dear listeners we are about to spill you all the beans in terms of this evangelion project 
right now. Yo, have you guys watched the greatest anime of all time, Neon Genesis Evangelion, that came out in like the late nineties? Have you watched it? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't finish it, but yeah. Oh, you didn't. Oh, but like it's cool, right? Yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it's cool. I can I can tell from the enthusiasm in your voice. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so cool, bro. It's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Would you say it's up there with Sword Art Online? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a tough question. We, we're gonna have to talk about that on another segment, Ethan. Uh, but listen, no, Evangelion, Evangelion. To, the focus is Evangelion. Reason I bring up Evangelion is because they're uh, they're coming with this really really big project uh, somewhere in Shinjuku in Tokyo uh, around 2023. So Basically, what they're doing as part of the uh, Tokyo Kabukicho Tower, uh, which is like a new skyscraper coming up in Shinjuku, uh, they're apparently branding the whole building as like an Evangelion thing. They're calling the project the Evangelion Kabukicho Impact. And uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's literally it. So uh, first off, it's a hotel a building and so what they're going to do is they're going to deck out all of the hotel rooms with evangelion uh i guess like aesthetics like they're going to use the evangelion colors they're going to use you know the robot parts to make them look cool like oh you walk in and you go wow this is truly the neon genesis evangelion of hotels you know <laughs> it's gonna be pretty cool <laughs> yeah um but yes all of the hotel rooms are going to be based off like the cockpits of the Evangelion robots, so it looks like, you know, whoa, I'm I'm in the Evangelion, so that's like... Wait, my... that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty sick. Um, can't believe they're doing that. But, secondly, um, besides just the decked out hotel rooms, they're actually making a, a like, a featured stage theater um, for, you know, straight-up live shows and stuff. And apparently, its very first production will be, like, a live-action stage adaptation of Neon Genesis Evangelion. I have no idea how the hell that's gonna go down. Um, but it's gonna be uh, directed by Belgian-Moroccan dancer, choreographer, and director, City Larby Charkoui. I have no idea who they are, but um, good luck. <laughs> it's, this is gonna be big. Um, but I guess besides uh, that stage... Thing as well they're going to be using the stage for a bunch of other things as well and they're going to use it to i guess screen a bunch of anime including evangelion of course and probably quite a few other short films plus there's also a concert hall which i believe they're making uh and their first i guess special concert will be hosted by yoko takahashi who is like a this really famous japanese singer and who most notably sang the opening for the evangelion show cruel angels thesis so yeah this is like a super big thing um i'm like the only one here uh going crazy over this because oh my god it's evangelion guys please watch evangelion it's such a good show it's like you know what this sounds bro. like this sounds like disneyland but for evangelion yeah basically <laughs> It's like exciting. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know how in Shinjuku they have that uh, Godzilla hotel as well? They do? Yeah, so they have a Godzilla hotel where they've got like the head of Godzilla sticking out of a building. Oh, that's crazy. So, Wait, I thought that was like the cinema. Yeah, I think it's cinema, but I believe it's a hotel room as oh. well. Oh, so cool. if they like face each other, you can be in like the, the mecha pods and then be like, look, we're going to fight Godzilla. Oh, dude, that's going to be That so would sick. be sick. I would yeah, that would that. be sick. And they're directed by like the same director too, so... Oh, really? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hideaki Anno, he directed Shin Godzilla, and that was like, um, ever since the first one, that was like the biggest Godzilla film ever because it was just like good. It was a good film. Um, it talked shit about the government. 
you know, it was awesome. Everyone loved it. So yeah. In terms of there being like a concert hall and like like a stage and where people can perform and stuff, I'm presuming that they're not going to just. It sounds like they're not going to just hold Evangelion related things all year long. So they're going to no. Yeah, it's yeah. People come in and put on non-Evangelion shows. Yeah, it's like the way they're formatting it is like, oh, this new skyscraper, it's like coming in 2023, and the way we're going to unveil it is like through the Evangelion stuff, and then it's just going to be there for like a limited time, and then afterwards they're like phasing out the anime fans. They're like, okay, the regular folks <laughs> come on yeah, in. Come but in. but they're like using this as like the one of the main like I guess marketing for this tower coming yeah, the through Shinjuku. Opening. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I know you guys haven't watched Evangelion, but like, when this like eventually does finish, would you go? Yeah, I would go. Yeah. I mean, I've never watched it. Hell yeah, yeah, we better. We APN Evangelion. Uh, <laughs> APN road trip. APN <laughs> road trip. Yes, we're going to r- drive on the road to Japan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This yeah, we're gonna, Hyperloop. Yeah, we're gonna ramp jump to across Southeast Asia to get to, get to Japan. Oh my gosh. Imagine being like a band like let's say the Cribs and you go to Japan to perform on a show and you have to put on your concert poster that you're playing at the Evangelion Theatre. Oh my god. <laughs> oh and <it, laughs> Won't usually happen to make the poster and then the the producer or something will tell you, hey, you got to put Shinji on the cover, you know, just like for PR. You know, you got to just like, just do it, please. <laughs> oh my goodness. Actually, I-, I wanted to extend this uh topic a little bit because I know this might look kind of absurd to outsiders, like, you know, a full on Evangelion hotel. But if you knew Japan and how their advertising worked, you'd find that they use Evangelion for literally everything when it comes to their advertising. I remembered when I went to Japan, like right before COVID, like, you know, for a tourist thing, I found a booklet about bullet trains and straight up just had like Shinji and Asuka and stuff just like standing in front of the bullet train looking stylish and stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, this is like, this is a tour guide. This is a tour guide and Evangelion is on there. Um, Another thing they like to do a lot is like, they like to use the Evangelion characters for fashion advertising. They're the most swagged out anime characters I've ever seen. Like, please search it up, Tracy. Are you searching it? Do you see it? They're just like very skinny cartoon characters wearing clothes. Yeah, but like, they're decked out. You know? They are decked out. The way yeah. Tracy said it was very like, oh, yeah, whatever. Just, like, I don't know who they are, so I'm just like, yo, they're just like cartoon characters. But I'm just trying to think, like, imagine if this was like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, like, it's basically that. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, explore downtown Minneapolis. And then they handed you wherever the Breaking Bad is filmed. And then they hand you like a brochure with like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman in, in like streetwear. <laughs> yeah. Like, like modeling. Like imagine them doing like a makeup ad or something like, you know, oh, VU. And then, you know, they're, you know, Walter White is looking at the camera. It's funny because isn't Evangelion very depressing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's like the most depressing thing ever. Um, but they go hard on the advertising. It's very much what Evangelion is to Japan, um, Star Wars is to the Western world. Like, you know, everyone knows what Star Wars is, even if you haven't watched it. It's like, oh, lightsaber, cool. That's Star Wars. That's what Evangelion is to um, a lot of people in Japan. But yeah, uh, there it is. Big Evangelion Project 2023 Shinjuku. If you're excited for it, hit us up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. 
everybody and welcome or welcome back to Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. We were just playing three excellent tracks which all come from Asian bands. Fun fact. Firstly, we played the song titled Mad Baller, which is a new track to come out of the Japanese band Sakana Mon. And this song in particular actually comes from their new album titled Hakoi. And moving along from that, we then played another track this time to come out of the Japanese band Getsu no. Kiwami Otome with their song titled Slow Ni Dororu Dake. And then lastly, we then played another band song. As I mentioned earlier, we were playing a whole bunch of bands, but just now we were playing the song titled, and this one is actually a very long title that we had to roughly translate it for you guys. So the rough translation in English means I super duper boundlessly extremely love you and this song comes from the Taiwanese band GG Teens but if you listener want to listen to this track in your own time you can find this song to be the third track out of their EP titled Secret Diaries so be sure to search in the interwebs to find that song. It's a great one. But welcome, welcome, dear listeners, to our show. If you were tuning in much, much earlier on our show, we did a little bit of a reminiscing session in terms of a very iconic snack that I hold very dear to my heart called Mummy Monster. And now we're going to have a little bit of a reminiscing hour in terms of Chinese language schools. And if you don't really know what Chinese language schools are, you are about to be educated. So I guess sit back, school's in session. Okay, so recently one of the largest Chinese language and culture schools in Melbourne has come under fire for underpaying its staff and not making sure that their staff were properly registered to be teaching. And there's this big article in the ABC about it. And we naturally thought as APN this would be the perfect opportunity to just talk about Chinese school. So me, Lee and Ethan all went to Chinese school. And so we thought it'd be interesting to talk about this specific cultural experience Maybe you can relate to this, listeners, or maybe you can be like, wow, Chinese kids in Melbourne are really weird. Wait, what's a Chinese school, though? Because I've, I've never heard of this. Yeah, neither. I'm no. not too educated on this, so you Wait, three. Is this like a la- language school of some sort? Because I know those exist. Um, I think the main goal of Chinese schools is first and foremost to learn Chinese. Another reason to go to Chinese school is so you can learn about Chinese culture. So you can, I guess communicate with your relatives and like talk to them and stuff because um, one of the fun experiences of being Asian or coming from a non-English speaking background is that you gradually become estranged from the rest of your family as your ability in your parents' mother tongue fades. Um, And so I guess Chinese school is meant to slow down that decay or halt it potentially. But anyway, so there's a few Chinese schools in Melbourne. The one I went to was called Xinjin Shan. My mum was also a teacher at Xinjin Shan. They had a few campuses around Melbourne. They're all these like very Asian suburbs and you have thousands and thousands of kids attending these um, classes on like a weekend. So it's generally one day a week or one morning a week really um, on the weekend. So generally from like 9.30 to like 12.30. So you go there, the teacher teaches you stuff and you just stay there until midday and then you get driven home by your parents or something. Or you stay on to do um, extra maths and English classes or drawing classes and potentially in some cases abacus classes. A lot of Asian kids in addition to Chinese school would also go to coaching colleges. I don't know what they call them, like coaching schools, like Kumon and stuff. 
So you go there like and you Like tutoring? Like That's yeah, what you tutoring, call it, tutoring. Yeah. See, I never went to tutoring school, so I was considered like a free-range child with a lot of free time. Damn. But all the kids I grew up with went to tutoring schools. And so I feel like a lot of kids made a lot of their friends through mostly Chinese school and tutoring school because they would all be like 100% Chinese kids. Oh. What age do you start going to Chinese school? It depends on how conscientious your teachers are. I mean, yeah. your parents are. Yeah, it will go as at least like prep and kindergarten, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that early. Yeah, because like most of my friends did Chinese school as well. So Saturday was pretty much like another day of school for all of us. And oh. if you if you were lucky enough to do that thing where you would do like the tutoring classes in the morning and then you do Chinese school in the afternoon, it's like the full nine to three. So it, it's like a proper full day of school that these kids have to go through on a Saturday as well. Like other people have like the weekends off and I'm like, how, how don't you have to study math? Don't you, <laughs> don't you have to do like your Chinese essays? What, what is this like free time that we're talking about? Oh my God. That was a um, foreign concept to you. Yeah. Oh no. My schedules on Saturday were messed up. So like in really? primary school, I used to do Cantonese school in the morning right. and then Mandarin school in the afternoon. And then I would have guitar afterwards. So what that's like seven hour day, eight hour day. And then I swapped over and then did tutoring instead. And then I also had swimming as well. So I had like full days oh on God, Saturday. God. This is like, looking back now, like how the hell did I do that? I can't even go to like a two hour class. <laughs> Wait, you did Cantonese school as well? I never actually went to Cantonese school, even though my family is Cantonese. It was pretty bad. Uh, no, it wasn't bad. It was actually, it was really chill. But they would have like half an hour where they would teach you Mandarin. And it was like very basic Mandarin. So in like 11 a.m., I would be learning like kindergarten level Mandarin and then I'd go to like the afternoon and then have to read like the full like texts. So it was really weird. Cantonese school was just like Chinese school, but like they teach you the traditional stuff instead. I would imagine it's different because you would actually speak Cantonese at home. Did you speak Cantonese at home though? My dad speaks Cantonese and my grandparents and my Queensland speak Cantonese. Um, So I kind of do, but like I don't. Like, I don't do it conversationally. <laughs> I only do it when the Chinese restaurant waiters yell at me and I feel sick. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't speak, sorry. <laughs> no, that's very interesting because, like, I imagined it to be pretty similar, but they would teach you different things. Like, maybe they would teach you about, like, Hong Kong cinema and that sort of thing. I guess that sort of cultural, cultural concepts. The textbooks they gave us had all these. They would give us, like, an article a week and all the articles would be some, like, story pithy little tale about like some old ancient chinese dude doing something like once upon a time there was a kid and he was very 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 smart one day he was in the garden when he saw his friend fall into a large pot of water and as his friend called for help and slowly drowned all the adults around him panicked but then this very smart little kid was like, aha, if I smash this big pot, all the water will rush out and my friend will be saved. And like that was like the sort of story they would tell us. And they'd be like, the moral of this story is that be a very smart kid and you will save your friends. Yeah, so I, think I remember have, that story. <laughs> yeah, like it was like the dumbest story ever. And I was like, why would they teach this to us and like make us read it out loud? But it's mostly just because, like, there are specific characters in there that you wouldn't have seen before. And then they make you, like, write them out, and then you learn them, and then you, like, copy them out, and that sort of thing. When would you have learned that story? Like, early middle school, primary school? I don't know, grade three. Yeah, exactly. Because when you get into, like, high school age, they just start giving you texts about, like, Chinese history or, like, famous people. Mm Because, like, I think I heard about Deng Xiaoping during Chinese school. 
Yeah, like in a textbook. And I was that's like, who is this politics? guy? That's advanced. Yeah, like, chi- okay, so if you don't know the Chinese language, they are very, like, how did I say it? Like, they always say, like, oh, this is number one. This is the best. This is the best school in all of Australia. Oh, yeah, Chinese just has, they have a very specific way of writing things. It's, like, yeah, exactly. very over the top. They don't say, like, the Great Ocean Road is, like, a well-known destination that is very popular with tourists. They say uh, the Great Ocean Road is a, the premier destination for tourists. Yeah. Like, they always write everything like they're trying to sell it to you, even when they're not. Like, everything is just over the top. That's actually so just sick. <laughs> So it's like, instead of being like, I had a meal and I enjoyed it, it was like the, my, my aunt came out arms laden with plates. There were like <laughs> multi-cult, there were millions of colours. And as I looked at them, my mouth watered. Everything has to have like those four character things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say like fanful door type. Yeah, idioms. That's the word. Yeah, idioms. These like four character idioms, like fancy phrases that mm-hmm. people like to use. And um, what people like to do is to sort of, put like five of them in a row <laughs> so you, you'll look at this food on the table and you'll be like this is like for like, so like, you know oh apple of my eye the love of my eye. yeah yeah literally yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yeah exactly all right yeah but imagine like every single time you see a pretty girl or like have a good meal or like see a sunset you have to describe it with like like Dude. all these idioms like, that's just the way Chinese is written. You know what? I feel like my life would be a lot more colorful if I thought like that. No, you know, it like sucks. In my head. It really sucks. Really? It does? It's very, like, on the nose. I don't know if you've ever watched, like, a Chinese ad or, like, watched, like, a trailer for a Chinese movie. Like, the way the, the narrator will talk, it's like he's, like, half yelling at you. Oh, and it's yeah. Like, it's like that kind of voice, like, presenting voice. Oh, my God. It also goes the other way. Like, they like to go on about hardship. So it's not just like it was hard. It's like there were like five idioms I have to put one after another to like describe how strenuous it was. We were we were in the trenches. Emotionally blood. it was. It's like nice. a farmer is tilling rice. Every grain of rice is a result of a single grain of sweat. Yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. You know, like like very dramatic, exaggerated phrasing. Um, and it means that when you're trying to write neutral things like informative articles. That was the hardest thing to write. Um, also, when you describe adjectives, um, you can't just say it was good. You have to say it was very good. If you just say it was good, it sounds really awkward. It sounds like you don't know how to speak Chinese. Wait, so is this like is this like a cultural thing, or is this like literally like integrated into the language itself? I feel like it started off as cultural and has become like grammar. All right, I see what you mean. Hello, hello, everybody. You are tuned into Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin, where we were just playing three incredible tracks just now on our show. Firstly, we played the song titled Neon Love, which is a song to come out of the Taiwanese male artist Hormone Boys. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Defender. And this song in particular comes from the Japanese artist Bob House. And lastly, to end off our trio of amazing tracks, we then played the song titled Poolside, which is the latest song to come out of the Australian artist Birdie. And this is an artist you guys definitely need to keep your eye on because she is incredible with this song. Especially with this song, by the way, because it is giving me the true summertime vibes. Now, you know what else is equally incredible is our little APN reminiscent corner where we were just in the middle of talking about Chinese language schools. So some of our APN team members like Tracy, Ethan, and 
Li. All actually used to go to Chinese language schools when they were younger. So without further ado, let's get back to our group conversation about Chinese language schools right now. Oh wait, Li, you went to Chinese school in Adelaide, right? Uh, yeah. I. Whoa! How do you remember that? What's that? <laughs> Insane. Um. Yeah, I went to Chinese school in Adelaide, but I don't know. It wasn't that. Maybe I was just not a studious student, <laughs> but it was sort of a way for me to make friends because I could not, for the life of me, make white friends at primary school. <laughs> yeah, so at home, I don't speak like actual Chinese. I speak broken Chinese because in Malaysia, you speak broken Chinese, I guess. So it was very hard for me to read and write and speak the way that the teacher wanted me to. So I kind of just. Didn't study. I would just look forward to like recess and lunch and just like hang out with my friends, or more like my cousins and my brother, <laughs> because we, our whole family was like go to this Chinese school. Yeah, I don't know. It was like fun. I would like go to the library and read books. When I came to Melbourne, though, my parents tried to enroll me and my brother into a Chinese school. We went there, and then me and my brother were like. I don't know if it sucked or not. We just didn't want to go anymore, so we just made up this lie to my parents. Like, no, success. The teachers don't even. But she was kind of true. Like, the teachers don't care if you can't read. Like, they won't really help you there. Or that was like my experience, at least. So me and my brother, obviously illiterate in Chinese, were like, "Well, this sucks. Let's just say that it's bad and expensive or whatever." So yeah, that worked. We didn't go to Chinese school, but I ended up doing VC Chinese. I feel like I learned more doing VC Chinese than Chinese school. I feel like I just learned how to cheat and like lie in Chinese school <laughs> when I was a little kid. Very good character development, I guess. But you also like got to connect with other Asian yeah. kids. Yes, and I guess that's true. another important function of Chinese school. No, you're right, Tracy. Like, Tracy, Ethan. In the end, did you like end up enjoying Chinese school? No. No. I had to go because it wasn't just school for me; it was also babysitting because my mum、uh. would have to like go teach. Although I did always look forward to drawing class at the end of the day.、It、How did you、like、have drawing classes? Class. We just had this one、oh. teacher called Ding Laoshi. She would draw something on like the whiteboard, and we would copy her, and then we would go over it in fine liner, and then we would color it in, and that was drawing class. Okay, that sounds like fun, actually. That sounds comfy.、Yeah. It was very comfy. I I, I think it's hard because. Like language schools, like cultural schools, play such an integral role, especially with like our kind of generation of kids who are like, like they might not be literate in their mother tongue. It plays an important role in kind of fostering development and you know keeping you within your community. But also, it is a horrible experience. I I don't think I would ever want to do that again. And it's just like it's this environment where like you know you're not there to learn because you're like eight. You don't want to learn Chinese. Like you kind of just want to like. Stay at home and watch TV or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they they really need to modernize the the curriculum or the education system so that it's more accommodating. Because learning languages and learning about cultures is a good thing, but not when you're being forced to do it. Sorry,、yeah. and when you're not paying teachers. Yeah, and when you're not paying teachers. <laughs> so I guess that leads on really nicely to this recent article that was published on ABC News. Um, the article is called "Chinese Language Teachers Underpayment Allegations Expose Gray Area in Victorian Education System." Yeah, this is a really interesting article, specifically because it is about a school that we attended for a long time as kids. So it is interesting to learn about what was going on behind the scenes. 
The article basically talks about a few different things. Um, first of all, uh, the underpayment of teachers. Uh, um, according to this article, one of the teachers was paid $40 per hour. And if you think of that as basically you'd go to school for three hours, that meant they were paid basically $120 per week to like um, do that three-hour class, also to correct like their students' homework. The second offence was that most of the teachers that taught VCE at Xinjiangshan were not properly registered teachers that were certified to teach VCE. And this actually goes against, I think, the law in Victoria, where teachers have to undergo a two-year postgraduate degree in order to be certified to teach VCE. On the other hand, um, the article brings up an interesting point. Xinjiangshan was founded by a bunch of migrants, and most of the people who work there are also migrants who don't speak English that well. And so for them, it's actually quite hard, especially if they have children to look after that sort of thing, to pursue quite a costly postgraduate degree. So I think the article comes to the conclusion that there need to be better pathways to accreditation for people who don't come from English-speaking backgrounds and that sort of disadvantaged background. I say, like, being a migrant worker anywhere is so tough. Yeah. Yeah, like, straight up, you're, you know, you've rooted yourself out from your homeland you're in a completely different place more likely than not you probably don't even speak the language of the country you're working in like it's got to be so tough like just finding a job um, mm -hmm. is hard enough and like holding it as well so um, yeah there is the reality that a lot of migrant workers unfortunately get exploited a lot because they don't understand the rules and the laws that are in place um, mm -hmm. and so a lot of these places that do hire a lot of migrant workers pay under minimum wage i asked my mom about the about the fee and she was like oh yeah that sounds right like that's what i get paid <laughs> so she gets paid way more in like private tutoring than actually like teaching at the school mm. i guess another advantage of like teaching at an actual school is that you get to talk to other people all the teachers by the way are women and most of them are mums so you, you get to talk to all these people who are like quite similar to you and they also like to like refer um, their friends. Like one of my best friends from primary school, her mom also teaches at the school. And that was because my mom introduced her. So if it wasn't for that, she wouldn't probably be working in any other sort of employment. So for a lot of these people, it's not like, oh, if it wasn't for Chinese school, they would be working somewhere else. For a lot of these people, it's like, if it wasn't for Chinese school, they just would not be working <laughs> full stop. So for them, it's like a little bit of financial autonomy. It's like a minuscule amount. But it's like something. And I think that's why my mom goes to Chinese school, even though she gets paid like nothing. <laughs> you see like something to do. Yeah, it's like something yeah, to do. Like, like that's like extra. outside of the family, you know? Mm -hmm. So that yeah. your whole life isn't just like looking after your family. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you listen, I went to Chinese school or any sort of other language school, um, maybe, yeah, message us and tell us about your experiences. And other than that, um, this paper being published in the ABC is quite a good thing because it, I guess, is urging the people who are in charge of the school to actually pay more attention to its staff and, yeah, maybe, like, pay them better. So, yeah, in conclusion, that ends our mini little dive into the institution that is Chinese school. I, we hope you learnt something. And, yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right here, right now at Asian Pop Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. It's Lisa here, the executive producer of APN, who is here to fill in on all of the songs that you heard just now. We firstly played the song titled "Still," which comes from the Taiwanese artist Miao Miao Flo, featuring Sang Yi Chang. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled "Your Room," which is a Japanese track to come out of the artist. Puni Puni Denki and Mike Neko Homeless, and lastly in our trio of tracks, we played another Japanese track. This time, this song comes from the Japanese artist Kiki Vivi Lily with their song titled Romance. Now, this song in particular is actually a cover of a song that was done by Tomoyo Harada. So that's another fun fact for you. I feel like this week I have been saying a lot of just random trivia fun facts around the show, but nonetheless, thank you so much for not only listening to my random fun facts that I've scattered around on this episode, but of course, thank you so much for tuning into our show, where you not only just heard my voice here, Leisha, but you also heard voices from our team members such as Tracy, Lee, Ethan, and JP, where we gathered together to reminisce about some core childhood. Memories of ours, such as Chinese language schools, as well as a very iconic Malaysian snack, Mummy Monster. But we also talked about some more insane topics, dare I say, such as a new Japanese invention from this company that wants you to wear pants without needing underwear at all. I know, let that sink in a bit. And we also got more chaotic topics, dare I say. From Sorted Online, featuring a very unexpected founder of a VR set who actually wanted to recreate the Nerve Gear. Now, if you know Sorted Online, that sounds actually terrifying. <laughs> But for more of our anime fans, we also talked about Evangelion getting a hotel. And a live action play coming very soon next year. But once again, thank you so much for always being down to listen to all of our very crazy topics here on Asian Pop Nation. And before we end our show tonight, we of course want to play a nice little goodbye track for you. And we have the perfect one, I feel, with this new November song to come out of Valentina Poi featuring Holmes and Flirt. With their collaboration track titled "I Miss My Friends." Remember, you can always tune into Asia Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8 p.m. onwards, right here on Sin. And for so much bonus content, you can always follow us at Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to look at our little link on our bio. We have like every single thing available on our link tree. So definitely give that a look. And of course, you can listen to our Asian Pop Nation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcasts. Good night, everyone.